Welcome to B-Movie Breakdown, episode number 107. 007? No, there's a one there. Oh, 107. We're one better. We're 100 better than 007, actually. Jesus, that's impressive. Yeah, fuck him. Fuck him. Fuck him. Fuck 007. This is, I mean, who who else better to fuck? A lot of ladies have fucked 007. Yeah, fuck him. Gross, dude, it's sick. But I mean, speaking of 100 better than 007, I think somebody is better than 007. This is his name, Oren Boyd. He's reckless, like 007 is sometimes, but doesn't doesn't get as many ladies. He just gets some. Well, he get, bad things happen to those ladies that he's. This is true. He tries to get it going on with. This is true. We didn't mention that she went on a date with a vampire. Oh my god, we forgot. That's to That's right. We can mention it now. They know. Yeah. But he was totally a vampire. Yeah, there was a there was a vampire. There was a 1980s um, Wall Street um, psycho. No, not psycho. What did I want to say? American Psycho. Yeah, I did want to say Psycho. Yeah, American Psycho Vampire. Yeah. Probably doing coke in the bathroom. This is true. This has nothing to do with the actual topic of this movie, but it was a point that we didn't mention before. <laughs> this is that we forgot to mention. That this. you will not hear in the continuation of this podcast, but it needed to be mentioned now because he was a goddamn vampire. He looked like a vampire. Whenever I do whenever. From like the Lost Boys. <laughs> he was straight out of the Lost Boys. Oh, he's in a suit. His hair and everything. Yeah. Um, well, not well. I mean, Lost Boys didn't dress in suits, but the hair was no, no, no. Like it's a, like, like a, it's like he dressed 80s, up, yeah. But like the eighties, the hair, like you know, preppy eighties haircut, but like it's real long and nasty looking, and like it's not acceptable. This movie that we watched came out in two thousand and one, so it's way past the time she should have that haircut. Yeah, totally. That haircut should have been done like maybe nineteen ninety four. Yeah, like I'll give you the buffer. Like eighties just got ended. Yeah, you're about I done. I mean, I give him maybe like. 96. Whoa, I mean, that's true. It was still kind of a young time. Yeah, I'm, I'm giving them 96. You're more generous. But now, you know what's now 96? This is episode 107 of the B-Movie Breakdown. Oh, yeah. <laughs> which is a weekly podcast where you find the humor and enjoyment in low-budget, lesser-known films of the past and present. Home of the good, the bad, the what the fuck. Each week's movie will be revealed on the prior episode so you two can join in on the madness. So listen to the end of this episode so you can find out what the next movie is going to be that we may or may not discover halfway through the movie and pick on a very impromptu Correct. but planned you, thing. You may get to listen to us actually decide what we're going to watch this is true. next week. So you can listen to us if you subscribe on iTunes or wherever you get podcasts. Wherever you want, man. Yeah, our website, bnbpodcast.com, Stitcher. There's a ton of places to get podcasts, and you can find us wherever those places are. Google Play apps and shit. Yeah. I have a podcast app I get all my podcasts from. There you go. I get this one from it, so I know there it's there. There you go. You can reach us on our site, uh, on our email, bnbpodcast at gmail.com, on Twitter, at bnbpodcast, or on Facebook. Uh, just search b Send Breakdown. us a Facebook message. It's easy. If... If you do suggest a movie on Facebook, we will watch it. Like, this week's movie was suggested by Leo Logan. He told us, uh, we, were, we took a small break a little bit ago, and he told us when we get back from break, we should watch 2001's Exit Wounds. He was dying for us to, dis uh, to discuss what? a Steven Seagal well, I movie. He, I hope, because it took so long, he didn't die. Yeah. <laughs> oh, jeez. That would suck. Yeah, I don't... I don't does he, does he, did he say that he's going to die? He just said he was dying to see it. Oh. So I was like, wow. No, he, I was hope dying, he, he was dying for us to talk about Steven Seagal. He's been slowly dying for 106 episodes. Wow. So, and then he has been wanting us to watch a Steven Seagal movie, and the one he wanted us to watch was Exit, Exit Wounds. Wounds. So, this week, Exit Wounds 2001... B-Movie Breakdown. It's the best of the worst. 
started recording, I mentioned a man died during the making of this movie. You didn't mention that, in fact. So stuntman Chris Lehman died of head injuries on August 23rd, 2006, days after a stunt went wrong on the set of Exit Wounds. A van being towed along the street upside down as part of a chase scene. Yes. He was supposed to, he was supposed to roll out safely, but apparently struck his head. We watched the rollouts. Yeah. He's one of those guys. Yeah, so one of those guys that rolled out. Rolled out in exit wounds and it killed him. Yeah, struck his, hit his head really so bad that it killed him. Man, that's sad. <laughs> I just don't want to talk about this movie anymore. And uh, this movie is riddled with just, abs- I mean, the movie's already absurd by itself, but it's riddled with even more absurd things. It has its moments. Like, Ava Mendez, her voice was dubbed over by somebody else, an unidentified actress without her prior knowledge. She wasn't even talking in that movie? Yeah, because producers felt Mendez didn't sound intel- intelligent enough. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> That's just how she talks. You you casted her for the part. Yeah, like if you wanted somebody to be like a nerdier person because she's supposed to be this like tech savvy. I couldn't even tell chick. it wasn't her voice though, because she was barely in it. Yeah, she's barely in the movie. But she sounds just like she sounds. They must have got somebody who sounded pretty much just like her, but could sound more and intelligent, could, I guess. I but, don't like, know. I couldn't even... Every dub thing I ever watched, you can tell. You couldn't even tell. Yeah. I wonder, because we didn't see a lot of her in the movie, did they just cut out a lot of her scenes because of that? She was barely in it. Yeah, I don't know. Eva Mendes, who called this movie terrible, said her li- her dialogue in this film was entirely redubbed. She even admits to it, like, saying that, yeah, she learned when... She attended the premiere with her family and realized something was wrong and something was off. That's not my voice. Yeah. That's not me. She told uh, John Stewart this on The Daily Show. Way back when? Well, I, I don't know. I, yeah, I guess around mm. this around that time. Like, uh, she just said the Steven Seagal film that she had done and I didn't sound intelligent enough. That's sick. That's nasty. <laughs> That's bad. It is. This movie, I mean, Exit Wounds, it debuted at number one at the box office when this came, when it came and out. And it stayed there for two years. <laughs> for two years. <laughs> yeah. It was uh, debuted at number one, grossing $19 million opening weekend. Why was it so appealing? It was considered a surprise hit movie as it you grossed think? over $50 million in America. Jeez. And almost $30 million worldwide. So, and it only cost around like $40 million to make. Why was it such a big hit? There's plenty of other movies that came out just like this. It was hailed as Seagal's big comeback, but critical re- reception was mixed. Oh, you mean they didn't all agree it was terrible? Because it was fun. It's fun. Yeah, it's a fun movie. So many people get died. The The soundtrack was... So, I just said Pete, so many... Oh, I just said so many people get died in this get, one. Get died. They got... They get died. The, uh, the yeah. soundtrack peaked at number eight on the Billboard yeah, it's just Top 200. Like DMX greatest hits. <laughs> I mean, I feel like every movie that had DMX in it had, like, his songs in it. I mean, you might as well take advantage of it. Yeah, I mean, why not? Like, just saying yeah. Romeo Must Die. Cr- Cradle to the Grave, I remember, had X Gonna Give It To You. <laughs> X is Gonna Give It that To You. That was in the trailer. Because he was like, after after this one, um, Romeo Must Die, this movie Exit Wounds, and Cradle to the Grave were all three directed by this guy. I don't know how to pronounce this guy's name. Is it just three letters? Is, is it DMX? Did he direct all three of these films? No, he's a Polish director. 
Uh, do you want to give your give your sh- hand at uh, pronouncing this man's name? Yeah. <laughs> if I knew how to pronounce that combination of letters, it's yeah. And <laughs> and Dresge- Barkowiak. There we go. Barkowiak. That's better than I could. The last name's easier to pronounce than the, the first name because I don't know how to pronounce the the D R <laughs> the the D R Z E J combination. I mean, his name's it's Andre. It's the Polish version of Andre or yeah. Andre or Andrew. So Andrew Bartowiak. Yeah. Let's English translate it for a little bit for the masses out there. This guy, he only directed. I apologize to all our Polish fans. He only he was a cinematographer for a long time, but he only directed one, two, three, four, five movies. Do you want to know the five movies he directed? I mean, you're going to tell me, so I guess I'm going to listen. <laughs> the first one was Romeo Must Die, okay. which featured DMX, yeah. Isaiah Washington, and uh, Anthony Anderson. Okay. Then Exit Wounds. All three of them are in this yes. movie. Then it was Cradle to the Grave. All three of them, plus Tom Arnold, was in this movie, and Jet Li, who was also in Romeo Must Die. Then he made Doom with Dwayne. Oh, jeez. Then he made Street Fighter, The Legend of Chun-Li. Oh, <laughs> what a one to go out on. And then, that was the last movie he does, the last movie he directed, and the last movie he was ever cinematographer on was a movie we mentioned last week, Trespass, with Nicolas Cage and Nicole Kidman. Wow. How bizarre. But before that, he had, like, a string of good movies that he was cinematographer on. Uh, Terms of Endearment, Twins, uh, Speed, uh, Species, Dante's Peak, Devil's Advocate, U.S. Marshals, Lethal All those Open movies 4. are legitimate movies. Yeah. They all he are. He should have just stuck to being a cinematographer on action movies. He wanted to branch out. He wanted to actually direct. Look, at there's even a collaborations checklist. <laughs> Who's Dragon? Uh, that must have been, I guess... another guy? Yeah, that, well, I guarantee that was the guy who played DMX's brother in this movie. Oh, that would make sense. Because I feel like I remember, or when I was looking up for a movie for next week to con- yeah. connect this, I remember looking up him to see what other movies he was in, and the only other movie he was in was Cradle to the Grave. So, Dragon, you think it's a play on Dragon? Do you think that's what that is? His name was Drag hyphen Owen? I never even thought of you that. You never thought of that? No. I mean, seeing it... Written down, it's pretty crazy. It it's blowing my it's blowing my mind. What a little drag on. <laughs> What's his name? Jeez, Anthony Anderson and DMX were in all three of those movies together. A few people dropped out. We could just we could just li- use Anthony Anderson to link into Transformers if you want. I'm just throwing that out there. <laughs> I fucking forgot. Never forget. The, he is in the first. He's Transformers he's movie. one of the characters that was like, I wish he would have just came back and been in one because he's just fun and he's silly. His he made no sense to be in it, but, like, it doesn't matter. But he didn't get to stick around for those. I'm sure he's kicking himself. Yeah, I am sure. He, he's just kicking himself in the ass. He'd have a lot more money, man. I mean, he's doing really well for himself right now. He's on a hit TV show. It's yeah, but... It's, like, fourth season. He could have been playing, like, a, a tech nerd. <laughs> he could have been... He can still do that. I mean, just because he's on, uh... Oh, my God. That show he's on. Blackish, yeah, yeah. It's a funny show. I I thoroughly enjoy that show. I that said that I can't remember the name. Yeah, I, but like, is he hacking really codes enjoy. during a dinosaur dinosaur hmm, during a transformer invasion? Dinosaurs kind of blend into there at some point. Well, eventually we got the robot dinosaurs. Anyways, I got that out of my system, but it needed to be mentioned. Because 
like we were talking about uh, Romeo Must Die. Yes. This has been in my head, and I just like looked it up. Sure. We were talking about Romeo Must Die. Yes. And I kept thinking that that was this movie where because this movie has Exit Wounds has a lot of absurd action scenes. I don't. Uh, I mean, there's a few. But there's and, one or two. And maybe. it's like, and it's funny that this movie has these, like a lot of these absurd action scenes and like a lot of these slow motion scenes because in Romeo Must Die. There's a number of scenes where they not only do like bullet time, yes, but they also do like bullet time plus X-ray vision, so you can see people's bones breaking. Oh my god! At one point, you see Jelly kick this guy in his, the top of his head, and his spine shatter, which is a thing that happens. <laughs> but I, but That's I kept good. thinking that in Romeo Must Die, there's a scene where with a pool table, but it's actually Kiss of the Dragon. There's a scene where Jet Lee. Kicks a pool ball. What? He kicks a pool ball out of out of the pocket. I remember that. And then the, when the ball is in the air, he kicks the ball midair, and then it, kicks, it hits this guy in the head and like kills him. But I, for some reason, was thinking that was Romeo Must Die, but it's actually that's a weird movie. Romeo Must Die. It's like oh, Asians and blacks shouldn't be mixing. You know what is worth mentioning in this movie? <laughs> I'm gonna leave that alone. That's a, that's the plot of Romeo I, Must Die. I'm not saying. But, like, it's stupid to even have to say, but there's a lot of black actors in this movie. Good guys, bad guys, different roles. That's awesome. There yeah. is. I mean, there just is. Yeah. It's pretty sweet. The same. We've watched a lot of, lot of movies with a primarily white-dominated yeah, cast. Yeah, this is true. Uh, I feel saying. like at this time, uh, early 2000s, there were a lot of movies where heavy... Uh, yeah, why did, that, why did that stop, though? Because it clearly stopped, because there was. I mean, there are a lot of them that still out now, but they're always, like, Tyler Perry movies. Yeah, it's, like, where it's, like, a thing. Like, it makes, they make a big deal. They were just characters in a movie. Yeah, and, like, and it, it, it always, in those movies, like, they just don't appeal to everybody. They might, but yeah. they don't, they, it feels like they try not to appeal to everybody. Yeah, which is weird. It feels like they purposely try not to appeal, like, oh, these movies are only for black people, and... Yeah, that's the target. I mean, there's always, like, the token white dude in it or something, and what's-her-face from Reno and the Goldbergs, the Wendy... Yeah, that's true. Whatever. She's always in, like, a couple of them. That's true. And she's, like, the token white lady or something. Yeah, keep in mind, I mean, I don't watch these movies for the exact reason you're discussing. You know what I mean? Like, I just... But it's it's weird that they kind of try to make it, like, like it's a black movie. Yeah. It's good when movies are just movies with people in them. I mean, there are movies like that, too, that, that I feel like don't... But they don't push the agenda. Like, a movie like like Friday. Yeah. I feel like it's a movie that's a black movie, quote But, it's unquote. Just a, it's but a I don't movie. feel like it pushes that... Ad- I mean, it's very much a black movie, but it does, I feel like it doesn't push that agenda of, like, this is only for black people. Correct. Just and I feel like down. a lot of those everybody Tyler Perry... And Tyler Perry, like, rip-off-esque movies. I know there's a bunch of those. Like It is a genre. Yeah, it's like a, but there are definitely around this time. There, I mean, next Friday had come out around this time, and uh, but there were a lot of movies like where all these uh, was like uh, you had like a lot of mixed casts. Yeah, like and this. just it was, it's a good, it's a good, it's awesome, it's good. Yeah, and there were always martial arts movies for some <laughs> weird reason, which is fine. It's a weird like, oh, I guess DMX is just this martial artist now because it's the same way Romeo must die. He's like, he's like, he's either Aaliyah's, I think he's Aaliyah's brother in that movie. So he's like pissed off at Jet Li. Well, there's like some sort of drug, sure. drug, two drug families or something or whatever going on. So obviously the Romeo thing, you know, two rival families. Yeah, that's what it is. Whatever, but it's uh, but then it drags race into it. Yeah. Well, I mean, there's no way around it. Yeah. Well, I mean, the, Ro- the Romeo and Juliet's yeah. not about race. No. So there's ways around it. 
No, but I meant when the movie. There's no way around saying it that way. Is my point. Obviously, yeah. I, I, that's the movie we should all to circle back to. Romeo. Yeah, I want to. I want to. I want to watch the whitewash version of Romeo Must Die. It's Romeo and Juliet with Leonardo DiCaprio. I'm just just a story. God damn it! <laughs> God damn it! Just a story. Uh, oh my god! Without all the action and, but uh, that's a, like I. I only remember the parts with the X-ray fighting. That's like the all. Because well, that, of course, that, that would stand out in your mind <laughs> when you see someone's X-ray spine break. <laughs> of course, that would matter a lot to you. Yeah. At any stage of your development. And what the game. hell happened with Jet Li? Like, man, he was on like a kick. That he was in Lethal Weapon Four, Romeo Must Die, The One, Kiss of the Dragon, Hero, Cradle of the Grave, Unleashed, Fearless. I mean, in theory, and then he just was like. I'm not going to do a whole lot, and then I'm going to be in The Expendables, and then I'm still just not going to do a whole lot. Well, in theory, when you make so much money, you don't have to keep working. You can just stop. I mean, he's been around for a long time. He has. And I mean, you can just decide you're done. Like, I did a lot. I'm out. No more work time. I'm just going to have fun for the rest of my life because I have millions of dollars. It's a nice nice place to be. It's true. I'm out. Cash it out. Peace. Peace of... Goodbye, workforce. What did you say? Peace of dog shit? What? I don't know. You said peace. It's like... It's not like you're going to say like peace piece of something. No, like peace. Like peace out? Peace it? Oh. I said peace it. Like peace it. This is the thing people say. But bringing it, it, bring it back to exit wounds. Yeah, speaking of wounds. Speaking of wounds, the... Also, what happened with... Steven Seagal's career. Like, if this was, like, his big comeback, yeah. and this movie made a ton of money... He decided to make a difference in life and became a police officer. <laughs> that was way after this. He was inspired. He did Half Past Dead, which was another movie where he was in a movie with, like, rappers. Ja Rule is in Half Past Dead, and it's, like, a movie where in prison, and majority of the movie, Steven Seagal's wearing do-rag. I've seen pictures of that. Yeah, like... He did that and a bunch of other, like, directed... Like, I think Half Past Dead was in theaters, but after that was just, like, a bunch of just nothing. Like, a bunch of directed video garbage. Like, it's so weird, though. He had this, like, big movie, and it was, like, the biggest movie of his career. Yeah. Was Exit Wounds. I don't know. I like, don't... he had other movies that did well. Under Siege and stuff like that. Above the Law. Like, I don't feel like a lot of those movies, like uh, like Above the Law and On the Deadly Ground, it was like the Jean-Claude. Those movies never did well. They mm-hmm. did okay. They yeah. probably made their money back. Yeah. Maybe Under Siege might have done a little bit better than the rest since Tommy Lee Jones was in it. But, I like, doing a movie like this in 2001, when your career, pe- essentially his career peaked, like... Then, Early mid nineties. Yeah, you know what I mean. Doing out for justice, mark for death, executive decision, and glimmer man, and stuff like that. And then he did this, which with this really piqued his career. And you would have thought he would have just rode that out. No, he just stopped. nobody wanted to like. I just want to do more movies with rappers. And then that, he did one, and then it didn't do good. Maybe that was it. <laughs> I got, I did it, I did good for DMX, I'll do, the, I'll do good for Ja Rule. And then he didn't, and then everyone else was like, oh, it was just a one-time thing. Yeah, not... You're worthless, we don't want to take any risks on you, we're until, not going to cast you in any movies. Until Machete, like, that's, the like, the next time, aside well, that, from seeing, like, 
DVD boxes at Walmart or something, you know, yeah. of like random Steven Seagal movies throughout the years. The next time I saw him in a movie that I went to go see was Machete when he played the bad guy in Machete. But then you were saying he did go and I'm going to be a cop for a while. He did. So. He's making a real difference. He was being the cop that he always wanted to be. He was Orin. Orin Boyd. Enforcing the law. He's in a movie coming out that we definitely have to watch. It's called Cyborg Nemesis The Dark Rift. No, it's not. You just want me to leave this podcast. Cyborg Nemesis The Dark Rift. You want me to walk out of this house and just go home. Because that's not a name. That combination of words does not exist. It totally does. No, Do you want not, to see the poster for no, the movie? It's not a real thing. That's not a real thing. That's not a real thing. I'm totally putting a link to this poster. The future, That's... dark, violent, and more than human. Are you sure it's like... From not... the director of Cyborg, Nemesis, and Mean Guns. Cyborg? Like Cyborg, Cyborg? So, this guy directed a movie called Cyborg, and then he directed a movie called Nemesis, and then he's like, well, I need a new idea for a movie. What if I just called it Cyborg Nemesis? <laughs> Is it like a trilogy? Are they linked together in any way? Yeah, he. this guy did Cyborg, starring Jean-Claude Van Damme. Jesus Christ. Way back when. There's like a bunch of these Nemesis movies. Holy fuck. The guy who's dude, this Cyborg Nemesis movie... He, is it like a whole universe? N- no, I don't know. He did Sword and the Sorcerer, which is a movie I remember watching as a kid. He also did Captain America, the 90s Captain America movie. Then he did Kickboxer 2. Oh, no. So he did like all the Kickboxer sequels starring uh, Cody the, from yeah. Step by Step. Yeah. Which now there's a new Kickboxer coming out. With him? With No, with Jean-Claude. In it, and then somebody else is like the new person, but Jean-Claude's like training. So Jean-Claude's like, character died in the second one. So is he a new character then? No, they're ignoring that the second and the third and fourth ones were ever made, and Batista's the bad guy in the new kickboxer. Oh, so there's like legitimate, like fresh blood. Yeah. Oh my god. Yeah. This what's going on? Let's talk about exit wounds. <laughs> this is too much to handle. Man, this guy made a lot of crazy movies. We need to see some of these this Nemesis well, movie. Adam Whoa, your... Nemesis looks awesome. Add him to your list. Alex, a burned out LA cyborg cop. <laughs> <laughs> so Nemesis is the next thing we're watching. <laughs> That's the link. The Steven Seagal starring in this new movie called Nemesis, Cyborg Nemesis. You want to do that? Because I kind of want to watch Nem- a Nemesis real bad. Yeah, so <laughs> I'm glad yeah. we just discovered that right now. Yeah, it's what we... But I mean, this we, guy... Did this we had a movie we are going to watch, but this is so much better for my emotional state of being. Yeah, they... Nemesis is going to rule. Apparently they have watched some of this guy's movies uh, on... Um, also on... Uh, Cinemassacre? Or what? No... What do, they, uh, what do they do? Joe Bob Briggs, Monster Vision. Mm. So it's in good company, you know. But yeah, there's a his guy also has a movie called Brain Smasher: A Love Story. Are these like? There's four Nemesis movies. Are they translated from like a different language? Nemesis, Nemesis Two, Nebula, Nebula Nemesis Three, Time Lapse, <laughs> oh and God. Nemesis Four, Death Angel. Oh my God! <laughs> Can we just stop recording and watch Nemesis now? Can I, just, can I just do that? Can we just do a... Nemesis Month? All right, there's a movie that he has coming out called 
Star Warfare Rangers and the Cyborg Witch of Endor. <laughs> Is English the first language in these movies? Is English... Star Warfare Rangers and the Cyborg Witch of Endor. All right, so all next month, we're do- next four weeks are just going to be nothing but nemesis. Is this going to be Albert Payan movies? Well, I guess this podcast has taken a different turn. Because this is something I feel like we just discovered. Apparently this guy's like... People compare him to, like, Ed Wood. <laughs> Let's do it. There's no other film director that has been the victim of so much, like... What? Just hate? like, yeah, than this guy. This guy sounds like he's living the dream. <laughs> I'm excited about everything you just said. Oh, yeah, sure. But let's get... I don't know how we get back to exit wounds because we're too excited about Nemesis. Yeah, because, like, he's a burnout <laughs> cop? So, like... No, he's, he's a like, burnout cyborg cop. No, I know. That's understood because the movie's Nemesis, we established he's a cyborg. But, like, so, like, he's burned out. So, like, he's had a rough, like... He's sick of his job. Yeah. He's exhausted. He's tired on the force. <laughs> He's like three days away from retirement. Yeah, it's like it's like a lethal weapon. And can, is he just like a cyborg? And they just like everyone just accepts it. It's like it's barely a plot point. <laughs> but he's just, <laughs> <laughs> he is, is a cyborg. Only occasionally they mention that he's a cyborg. Well, because eventually you need your robot arm to like do stuff. Yeah, because that's important. Or yeah. like you're super. You're like to jump around. You, know, you get shot. And Black bullets. Die. Like yeah, well, I'm still alive. I'm a cyborg. It's like oh, thank God you're a cyborg. Yeah. But then otherwise, he's just like man, my job sucks. <laughs> I hate this. But what if we can't find Nemesis? I don't care. I'm willing to live on the edge. It's clearly a popular franchise. There's four of them. You'll be able to find it everywhere. Oh, everywhere. In every store you go to, you'll be able to buy legitimate copies of it and pay good money to watch Nemesis. This isn't Exit Wounds. What do you mean? We need to talk about Exit Wounds. We do need to talk about exit. That's what this whole podcast was about, and we've barely discussed it. This is true. I mean, we can talk about, like, cops and stuff, and, like, it's going to be cool to talk about exit wounds, but, like, Steven Seagal was breaking bones and shit, but he wasn't a cyborg cop. He might as well have been, because this movie, if you've never seen Exit Wounds, this was also suggested to us by a listener... Thanks to to watch and this movie, I really enjoyed this movie. I remember seeing this when it came it's fantastic. out. Fantastic, and I and I forgot basically everything that happens. In it's this fantastic. Movie. Uh, it's about Oren Boyd, who's a tough inner city cop in Detroit, who is just like always breaking all the rules, never wanting to listen, saving the vice president, and getting no credit for but it, but getting no credit for it. And those terrorists were never... I thought they'd be like another plot point. They were, they were never, never came mentioned. Back. It never came back. There was a hit out. On the vice president, and you never heard about it. I after thought that. it was going to come back to like that the corrupt cop group. They were part of like the terrorist attack on the vice president because yeah. that had something to do with like the drugs that they were trying to. That would make sense, but no, it was just random attack on the vice president where he gets saved by being there's a huge gun battle, but he's saved by Seagal just throwing him off a bridge into the water, and as the vice president is tumbling down, he yells, "Oh no, I can't swim!" What? Before that, he yelled shit. He did, okay, thank you. Shit! <laughs> and then, I can't, can't swim. swim! Real fast. Like, dubbed in. Can't well, swim! Yeah, the shit was too long. He yeah. said shit, shit. Too, too long. Can't swim! Splash. Yeah, I, I mean, it, 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 it's a very... This movie's very generic. Yeah, the opening is so generic. 
I mean, this every every plot. I mean, every beat is like what you would expect from a tough guy, lone wolf cop story. Yeah, and, exactly that. And you can and the bad guys in this movie, you can point them out from a mile away. They even do it right away in the beginning when they show that guy with the slow mo on the guy with the earring. The cop that's wearing the earring and it gives Steven Seagal a dirty look. Yeah, but that's look. part of the terrorist group. I know, but like even then, you're uh, they're right. already giving you these like well, clues how, to well, bad guys. Cop wouldn't in two thousand and one. A cop wouldn't wear an, a hoop earring. Okay, he's clearly up to some bad shit. Yeah. Two thousand and one was this before or after an event? Probably before. This was before terrorists were like a thing. This was before. Mm. This was before. Mar- this came out March 16th, 2001. Oh, jeez. They knew it was coming. Jeez, the directors? Andres? Andres? Bart Quick? His nemesis time travel. He was able to look into the future. <laughs> he didn't direct those movies. He was an advisor. <laughs> he was an advisor. So... Yeah, it's so the movie. I mean, it's it's like we're saying. It's, it's very generic. Starts over in a generic, and it's just so it's that so absurd thing of like, oh, you know, the cops. You destroyed ten city blocks. Turn in your badge. It's almost like um, last action hero. It's a joke. Like last and last action, action hero is making fun of this genre. Yeah, and it came out like ten years before this movie. Yeah, but this is like it hits every beat. Of like, it doesn't oh, stop. you were getting punished even though you saved the vice president's life, but you d- broke the rules, you weren't supposed to intervene. And he was reckless. He was such a good shot. He was shooting everyone so good. He didn't kill any good guys. No good guys died. He did shoot a lot of people. He was only able to say the And vice- he smashed that guy with the truck. I remember on the motorcycle. Yeah, he just ran his ass over. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there were times in this movie where, yes, he did do some reckless things where cops... Aren't supposed to be doing these. He gets things. real reckless, real quick. Well, yeah, the beginning, nothing was wrong. But no, he... that was a legitimate thing where the vice president of the United States is being attacked, and you need to do something to stop the attack. Like that was okay to be reckless. There was so little collateral damage in that initial battle, but every battle after that, it was just nonstop carnage. And then they send them to this like new precinct that's like the rough and tumbly. F- Fifteen. Yeah, the, the, inter, one, like the inner city of, of one five. Yeah, and and but the first thing they make him do is go to anger management classes. It made no sense. How's that punishment? The only reason they and the only reason that the movie had him be sent there so we could be introduced to Tom Arnold's character. Correct. It was very important. He plays an important role. He does. Because like without him, like the plot couldn't go forward. Because <laughs> he gives him all the information. Without him, we wouldn't have the last ten minutes of the movie. That true, but let's let's build to that. <laughs> The you know, real, so Tom Arnold, the plays, actual reason why the Tom movie Arnold exists. plays this guy Henry Wayne, who's this Detroit morning. I thought he was like part of a morning news crew, but he just has a morning talk show, show, like yeah. talk show in the morning, That's which it. is weird. That used to be a thing. Yeah, but like the Today Show still exists, but it's like a whole thing. Well, it's like like WGN, like around here, like they have a little morning segment, but it's just like one guy. Yeah, but there's, and there's the, no news. The thing is, though, that's what you just said. Around here, they have like a segment on the morning news. Like, I that's what I thought his thing was gonna be. I thought his thing was gonna be a segment. No, but like, I didn't think his thing was gonna be well, like his own show. All, all I can think like, about is think. I can just think back to like, what is it like? Wake up, San Francisco. Good morning, San Francisco. Full House. Yeah, talk show. Bob Saget's yeah. character. Yeah, yeah, like that's that's just what it is. But it was just him raging. 
Well, yeah, because like you never saw mania. guests. Well, you didn't. We didn't get to watch. Well, we almost he watched was, the whole show. He was talking. <laughs> we almost. He was talking the about the show. one time how he was going off during road rage and he wanted to pull pull over and rip this guy out of his car and rip his head off. He did mention that. Yeah, it was ridiculous. And even during uh, the anger management, remember there was that guy talking about how he threw a dog out of a window. Yeah, he's like, "Oh, if my wife didn't buy a poodle, I couldn't. Have I wouldn't have window. been able to throw the dog out the window." That guy acted his fucking heart out for that scene. <laughs> he nailed it. That was good. It was super weird. And then there was also these like super weird co- comedy moments in this movie with Steven Seagal, like when he was stuck in the chair. Yeah, so he just rips it in half. Yeah, but it was like he was trying to get out of it the for like, thirty seconds. He was. Yeah, and then he rips it, he rips it out, and he. He leaves the class because he's like pissed. He doesn't want to be there. He goes outside to see his truck being stolen. Yes. He literally There's says, like seven guys. And he says, what am I, a shit magnet? He said that. That's true. But little one little detail we noticed about his truck at the time, it still had the sticker in the window from like recently buying it. And it wasn't just like, you know, they have like, like 99 or like the number in the window that you have to like No, it was off. like the... It was the actual like... Papers, yeah, from like the truck. So on the somebody lot. would probably somebody probably thought that that was just a stolen truck. Yeah, off of a lot. Yeah, because like because who drives around with that in their car? Still? Just, it takes one second to take it down. <laughs> it's just taped up there. In fact, it messes with your peripheral vision. <laughs> to the left side of the car. But then he. Well, he beats all their asses. He beats all their asses, and this is the first time we see him kick in somebody's kneecap. Yeah, it's he tough. does this like. Four times. It's a go-to move. He's a technician. Yeah, it's so brutal. I I, um, I hated seeing it every time because it was made me cringe. Seeing somebody's kneecap just bend backwards every time from being kicked was just ridiculous. It's just the give them credit. They captured a lot of realism here. And he also dodged a bullet to his head. That was that was crazy. The gun is being held to his skull. He ducks away. The guy fires and he beats his ass. It was ridiculous. It was tough. It was absurd. And then Tom Arnold mentions then, too, like, everybody else was ripping this the the desks apart. Well, because he, yeah, he ran outside after him while this, before the, the ass-kicking starts happening, because he this just wants to tell him how awesome everyone thinks he was and how, yeah, they were just, everyone's pumped, they're just ripping their own desks apart. <laughs> Thing is, it's it makes that such an awkward moment of, like, if that was any other part in the movie where he just went to this, like, fucking anger management anger management thing and there was no other like known actor in it yeah like it would have just been a one-off thing where like the class sees him do that stuff and, and then like it. a thing but like why does this guy from the from the anger management class like have to continuously like keep running into him well after that he only runs into him that one time and then he goes out to find him you know, because he finds him at the strip club. Yeah, he goes and finds him, so right. he doesn't run into him again. No, he goes because he, because he watched, because he, he was watching his show, and he just could tell his connections. I think they were talking about some story or something. I don't know. Was there a reason that he knew he had connections? Yeah, he was talking about his show, something about doing like a private investigation. He did type of thing. That's true. From a private investigating days, which is just a little sign out in his ridiculous story he was telling about road rage. Yeah. So that's like how he like linked to like remember. And go, since then, since they did have a convert, they knew each other. So it wasn't. But then he had to go find him in the strip club as Tom Arnold's wearing. How did he know he was there? I guess he he, just, he's a detective. He's not. A, he wasn't a detective. You don't think Steven Seagal played a detective? He was just like a, an officer. 
The for almost the first time we see him, he comes, he shows up to the vice president stuff in like a suit jacket and stuff. Yeah. So like he wasn't just in his uniform. True. So he was above just a normal beat. He's cop. above the law. Because when uh... they mm, when they put him on the beat, it was like a knockdown. Yeah. He's a true. detective without saying it. True. He's not solving any crimes. He's just kicking ass. But he solves a crime in the movie. He puts all the pieces together. He does. So he's a detective. Well, he does, but then he also has Tom Arnold put a lot of pieces together. <laughs> he's using his resources as a detective. This is true. And then you have the other per- star of this movie, which we haven't really mentioned yet, DMX. We've mentioned him a lot. Well, like, as far as talking about the movie, we talked about him t- being in no, we just other movies. Him. Plot point, he just gets ignored. <laughs> we were just talking about, like, not even this movie for the but first 20 minutes. He's this guy who you th- are led to believe that he's this, like, uh, drug-dealing bad guy who just makes all his money off drugs, which, if they do anything right in this movie, they legitimately make you believe for a while that he is just, like, a drug dealer. Yeah. Because up until the Tom Arnold part where he explains who he actually is, you just think he has all his money from drugs. Yeah, they don't give him any more dimensions. Those come later. Yeah, but everybody else, they make it so obvious that there's more shit going on. Which is, that conceals DMX is better. Maybe it was totally intentional to save the swerve for DMX. Good thinking, filmmakers. Good job. Uh, one thing with DMX and his all the money he has is he goes to buy a new car. And there is this black guy that works there who... Yeah, he's rough. ...is unbelievably racist towards other black people. For one, that's one thing that's got this guy's had, got going on. He likes his well. He's he's got the, like the most fakest like voice. He's like, yes, oh, we 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 sell these kind of cars. Yeah, he like has this like absurd like no, it's like it's fancy like, rich man's voice. It's fake white man voice is yeah. what it was. But like no one even talks that way ever. Because like when they when the two black guys walk in when a uh, TK and uh, Latrell, what's his real name? Leon. Yeah, Leon walk in. We can say him by his real name because we know Latrell what it is. Walker. Yeah, that was his said, fake name. Yeah, Leon. But uh, yeah, he's like, oh, I'll deal with these guys. And like, all right. He's like, I'll deal with my brothers. He, he even like, says something like that. He does. And he tries to like talk to him like that a few times. Then they piss him off and he snaps and he starts talking like a normal person. He's like, turn the motherfucking engine off! And, and then it gets all quiet. And then I was like, whoa, dude. Because, like, these guys are legitimately making a giant racket, and no one's paying them any attention. But he yells, motherfucker. He gets the worst looks out of the yeah, entire they, place. Yeah, they did kind of go in there and be pretty obnoxious. They Not were. DMX, necessarily. He's just genuinely looking at TK. cars. But uh, TK, played by Anthony Anderson, is, like, putting in cassette tapes. And Which then... is even funnier, because, like, looking back, like, there's that, that car buying scene has nothing to do with their plot. Like, they're just, like, they're just buying a new car. With his money. Yeah. So, like, they're just being assholes. Yeah. For no reason. It's just a scene to show you that they have money. Well, and just, like, kind of show you that they're assholes. Like, oh, drug dealing pieces yeah. of shit. No, they're just good guys who are total assholes to this car dealership. Yeah. Except for they knew the one guy who worked there, clearly. No. They didn't know that him. That guy threw him the fucking keys. That's because he just liked him, man. He was a cool <laughs> dude. I swear I saw that guy in his office later. No, you didn't. No, you didn't. I almost said something. You should have, because then we could have documented it for this very conversation. Well, regardless... He has a guy working on his crew at the fucking car dealership where he buys his... What was it, a Lamborghini? Yeah, he bought some sort of, like, absurd... It was something that doesn't... You know... Well, there's only, like, seven available in the United States. Some it dumb was number. $285,000. 
Which seems absurd. I mean, I guess cars probably cost that much sometimes, but it, see, that's a lot. That seems like it's... I would price it even higher. <laughs> but he it's said... More ridiculous. But Anthony Anderson said, better suck and fuck me for $285,000. <laughs> yeah. And they give him... They give him 300000 and told the guy to keep the change. Yeah, so the, the other guy gets to keep the $15,000. Plus the commission for selling the car. Yeah, give this guy the commission. Yeah, and then they leave their Hummer there. Some One of their crew gets it. I know he does, but they left it there. Well, I mean, you know. And they left with their Lamborghini without doing any of the paperwork. Because that's how that works <laughs> when you're buying a car. When you just when you want to buy a car, you just go in with all the cash if you have it. If you have the cash, there's no paperwork, though, because it's like, Done, my car. Yeah. All right. Basically, it's how it works. And so the big, big plot of the movie is like this like heroin drug deal that's going on. And it's, man, it's so unbelievably obvious. Like from the second when that guy is under, when you find out that the guy <coughs> is an undercover cop doing the drug deal, the way he acts when he gets caught by Steven Seagal and, like, shows his badge. Yeah, he wasn't even undercover, then. that was his lie. Because, like, no one knew they were going to be there. Yeah. He just had his ba- his wallet on him with yeah. his badge in it. Yeah. But, yeah. And that, yeah, it's just, like, from there, you can tell, you're like, this guy is going to be a bad guy. I and, I and I definitely tried to make you think for the tiniest bit that Michael J. White wasn't a bad guy, but I fucking knew that he was a bad guy. I called his one friend being a bad guy at the fucking beginning of the movie. Because well, he all they, did was sh- all they did was show them sitting there, and they, I was like, "He's a bad guy." You were supposed to know that. No, you weren't. Yes, you were. It was supposed to be a shock at the end that he calls his friend for help, and then his friend turns on him. No, the purpose was to make you be like, "Don't trust him, man. He's a bad guy. Even I know that." And then you're right. It's meant to make you feel smart. I don't know if that was the thing. You feel smarter now because you guessed the movie, don't you? Yeah. I would. Because I can tell you one thing, I guessed. They had me fooled. I thought he was a good guy. I had no idea how those cops were going to be bad guys. 40 minutes before this movie ended, okay? 40 minutes before this movie ended. I literally literally wrote down it, because I wrote down a timestamp of 8.21, and this movie ended at 9 o'clock. All right, so what's the deal? I wrote down, I bet DMX and Anthony Anderson team up with Steven Seagal. (laughs) Yeah. Was this before or after the whole movie changed, the third act? This was before yeah. that they ever... This was you still believing that DMX is a bad guy. They hadn't been fooled. I had no idea. Or, yeah, so... Like, I, I literally wrote down that they're going to team up with him. Man. Fucking called... This movie was so predictable. You're just smart. Except for we thought the character George was going to die. They did trick us. Because they... They set him up as, like, you know the what? black guy that dies. You know what? Well, they gave him a family. They gave him a kid. Not even just the black guy who dies. The... The, the, the partner, the, the new partner. partner yeah. The new partner who has a backstory. Like, he starts talking too much. Even that was like a mini side plot. Like, here's your new partner. Like, go on partner adventures. They went on, like, one. And it was so obvious that, like, a lot of the people were bad guys that we even thought the commander of the precinct, the chick. Yeah, but she was definitely not a bad guy. No, she was not a bad guy. She was a real good she guy. Died a, oh, my God. Her death was unbelievably brutal. Like... Sure, the, the, the camera doesn't. For some of these deaths, the camera does not cut away. It shows you them die. <laughs> like she crashes in the into the back of a fire truck. Steven Skull jumps out. He does. He could have grabbed her. He, why didn't he? <laughs> Maybe her seatbelt was on. No, they both had no. No, her head wouldn't have smashed against the window if this the seatbelt was on. This is true. He could have just. What an asshole! Maybe he didn't have time. 
He had plenty of time. Why didn't she jump out? Because she. Well, his door was ripped off. Yeah, so he had to go. Like he could just. He didn't have to like think about it. He just like I'm out. <laughs> Peace out, bitch. Yeah, she smashes her face against the windshield. They show this shit, and then you see her just all bloodied and fucked up. Yeah, you just watched her die. And Jill Hennessy, who plays this character, uh, Lieutenant Mulkey, she has a similar death on an episode of Law and Order. Okay. Yeah. Where she was killed in a car accident. Okay. Very similar, but. She was, but all, but apparently she was too afraid to let her dad see this movie because this death was far too graphic. It was, yeah. He like just, she didn't want her dad to see her, like basically look like she legitimately died, not like a fake movie death. Like she's it dead. Legitimately it looks looked like, like she died. died. It looks like she died. There was a few times you like, watch the window uh, spider web out when she hits. Yeah. Damn. What about when that one guy in the back of the van that was awesome smashed into another car? There was clearly a dummy. But still, but it, it was good. You didn't have to, like, they went out of their way to, like, show the head, like, just being driven into, like, parked cars. He just got smoked. He says, that guy's dead now. You can't debate it, you know? Yeah. In movies, if there's no body, there's always doubt. They left you with little doubt. No, that guy's stump. He's dead. No, oh, she's dead. Apparently, Steven Seagal was so pissed about them order uh, hiring a stunt double, speaking of the stunts in this movie, yes. that he was going to shut down the movie and quit if they cast a stunt double. For him or for anyone? For him. So he did everything? Yeah. We were like, we want to protect our investment. We, yeah. have, a lot of, we have more movie to shoot. Fuck yeah. it. But, oh my god. What? The guy who played like the main bad cop... The movie, this movie was delayed like so many different times, and one of them was because of that thing. The one guy who played one of the main bad cops was arrested and charged with committing sexual assault on a wardrobe technician on the set. Of exit wounds? Yeah. So he's like a legitimate bad guy. <laughs> he's like a legit bad guy. Yeah. God, this movie is riddled with shit. Are you DMX, sure? DMX has since described working with Steven Seagal, described him as a dickhead. <laughs> This is a guy who's now in prison for impersonating an officer. Yeah, he was just getting into a role. That's the other guy did. He's trying to be a bad guy, method acting. Yeah. Yeah, and Steven Seagal's injured multiple times while making this movie. Well, you think? Yeah. Said, Jill Hennessy said that delivering her lines in the presence of a pantsless Steven Seagal was tough. Why did he have to be have no pants on? We didn't even see the no pants. I know! <laughs> just because he's in the locker room? I didn't know Mom, I didn't know Steven Seagal was so method. Well, that's why she... Because she legitimately has, like, a, a funny look on her face. Yeah. It's because he had no pants on? Yeah. Put a towel on. It wasn't that rated R. No. Jeez. Oh, my God. This movie still... It doesn't stop. So the bridge attack scene with the heavy face helicopter... Yeah. The... Uh, the bridge that they filmed it on was 85 years old, okay? It was closed for a year for restoration after the they shot that scene. Because it was just a mess? Because they like, yeah, they just fucked this bridge up. Well, that's expensive. Who paid for that? I, I guess the people that live in Calgary, Alberta, Canada. 
That sucks. And then they, people didn't know that that was being ha- that was happening nearby, and there was all this concern from nearby residents that when things just started blowing up <laughs> on the bridge. There's <laughs> a guy having a firefight up there. Jeez, this movie was just like so many, so many things. This sounds like a good movie. Like it's one of those that like the whole thing's a story. Yeah, just just out of control. But anyways. Um, another absurd scene that we forgot to mention by one bunch before was that... Yeah, uh, there's a lot to talk about, but like, the, movie, the movie's pretty much paint by numbers. Yeah. Except for the little swerve. The inter- the beyond inter- that. The intersection scene. Where's the traffic cop? Yeah, what the hell? There was, like, people getting in fights in the middle of the intersection, like, crashing their cars with each other. It's high tension. Oh! My God! How did we forget about this part? I don't know what part. Oh, my God. So when he's, like, investigating the whole thing early on, and he's trying to... St- Figure out the pieces of this corrupt cop. Sure. He goes to that place where they hold the records. Yes. And he just so happens to go there when the when they're like uh, robbing it for more heroin. Why was a janitor there with his family? There was a janitor Why with his there? three kids. Why did he bring his three kids to work? Because they're tied up, and he cuts them loose, and the janitor goes, "These are just my family. Um, my daughter Maria's in the other room." And we're like, like, why are you, is is this like the family business? Are your kids like helping you clean these fucking rooms? Yeah. And the hollow records? And like the coincidence itself, he just goes to look up information. At the moment, they're hijacking like. Yeah, he just so happens to go there. And why were their masks so ridiculous if they expected no one to be there? Yeah, their masks were like hockey masks that like went down past their, it was like goalie, old timey goalie masks that were half painted white and half red. Yeah, and then they were talking about hockey. Yeah, the that was that was a clue that they were bad. If you already didn't catch on to that, they were bad. But like, they looked like like the Joker's henchmen, or they worked for like Doctor Freeze. Yeah, Mister Freeze. And what? And why didn't they just? They could have just had like black mask. I'm okay with the personality involved, but like it, what? Yeah, and another absurd thing you made me think of henchmen is that club scene where they go to TK's club. Yeah, and Steven Seagal. Literally just starts beating the shit out of people. Like, that's the scene I was talking about before where cops just can't do things like that. No, 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 that, that's, like, not allowed. He didn't show his badge, he didn't say I'm a cop. No, he goes in and starts fucking with TK. And, like, alright, they have, like, a thing, so, like... And then the security guards start, like, coming up to him, and he starts kicking their asses. The one security guard grabs a giant light bulb off of one of the tables and smashes it over Steven Seagal's head. No, he didn't move I thought he smashed that. He moved. No? It smashed, but he ducked and hit the table. But then he... But he moved. But then he punched that one guy in the yeah, face. Yeah, Joe. Was it Joe? The, yeah. They called him the... Well, the... Uh, yeah. <laughs> I'm not going to repeat what they called him. <laughs> I'm not going to do that. Uh-huh. Sumo, he, was, he was a Japanese man. Sumo N-word. Yes. Sumo, which, which sumo, he wasn't, ne- he, sumo Nick. But he wasn't Japanese. He looked Samoan. But they called him sumo, so I assume Japanese. Yeah, I know, but he looks Samoan. He did. I didn't want to mention it just because wrestling. <laughs> I don't want every guy that looks like that for me to just go, oh, you're Samoan, but he did look very Samoan. He did look very Samoan. He did. So it was weird. But that fight scene was so ridiculous. He punched that guy. That's another time where he kicked the guy's knee in. He punched the guy in the face with chains around his fist so many times. And think about it now. TK and DMX are good guys. Yeah. Those are good guys that's at a club doing their fucking jobs. They might not have even known about this whole fucking scam. Yeah. And the scam is like a good thing anyways. So like, what the fuck? (laughs) 
But then he punches that guy in the face so many times with the chains, and then that guy goes flying through. He could have died. Glass casings that had women that were painting each other naked in them. It's true. That was a kind of a weird thing. TK did play. TK knowing that he's a good guy after the fact is a, what a scumbag. He was kind of a scumbag. <laughs> yeah, it was. Uh, it was kind of. And what we were mentioning before about Tom Arnold is uh, he gathers all the information on DMX's character to figure out who he really is, and he's like this tech mogul, basically. Yeah, why did DMX have all his money? 99999.com. You can buy anything for 10 bucks. And he got out before the bubble burst, so he's a multi-gazillionaire. Yeah. What? And then he still was running some sort of tech company in his house, warehouse thing. Remember, he had all that staff. He had all those people. Who were they working on? They're part of the crew. They're all just working on the police corruption thing? Yeah, because he's got There's the There's so many people working there. It's a whole business. Yeah. You can't run a business about something that you're no, but it's maybe like, going to turn into no, the cops no, no, one no, day? They're not making money, but it's like a business, like the structure. But how are those like, people getting paid? He's a 999.com, man. He just bought <laughs> a fucking Lamborghini with cash or whatever it was. Gazillionaire. Yeah, he's a gazillionaire. This is true. So, like, yeah, you know. Yeah. You are you're asking all these questions about how to get all these sweet camera angles. Well, not all of them were undercover just cameras. They're probably guys like sitting with their things and stuff. Yeah, the camera tech that they had for their spy cameras was the quality of like an like HD cameras now, like your phone would have. Like, there's no camera in 2001 that was a spy camera like that that had that good. Of quality. It was top, 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 top of the line. It was like my phone. That's what I mean. There were some guys like behind trees with an actual like video camera. Part of the people he was employing to help take down these this corrupt uh, precinct. Yeah. And then um, Eva Mendez's overdubbed voice told us that this camera was really small and it was like so big. It was. <laughs> it was so big. It was like big as like, you know, like a half dollar. So there were there were smaller ones on the table. But that's the one she said. This is the smallest. This is small. <laughs> you can hide it anywhere. Well, not anywhere. It's like. A quarter the size of your hand. It looked like the, the, the top to like a VGA cable. It did, yeah. That's almost what it looked like. Yeah, it did. Like, yeah, it's kind of... But like, she held like this was the camera. It wasn't yeah. like this is just a port or a wire. But I mean, who knows what the fuck she was holding while she was talking. It didn't matter. It, no, it does. It could not It could have been anything. It, it doesn't. doesn't really matter. This was computer stuff. But the the uh, one dude from Predator who was in this, who was like his boss boss, like Mac. the main captain... He, I thought he was going to end up being a bad guy, but he ended up being a good guy. That was another swerve. And who, yeah, because it was a swerve because nobody knew that he was contacted. He found out. Because he wasn't supposed to be there. No, he, he, he came running in with George. That's true. Because he went and got George. That's and true. then we're like, oh. I was imagining him finding out being his own vigilante, but he did come in with George. We're like, thank God this guy's with George because George might make it now. Yeah, because when he went to his house, at George's house to get him and like, you don't oh have to come God. with. And he has his baby and his wife there. And like, his wife just gives him a look like, I'm not going to see you again. Yeah, like, we're oh, like, oh God, sense. George is dead. George, don't die. Yeah. You find out DMX is a good guy because like, he battles George outside and then George... Would have killed DMX if there was bullets in that gun. Yeah, but he wouldn't. He didn't kill him. No, but like DMX took the clip out of his yeah. gun. But George fired his gun and it was empty. Yeah. At DMX's head, and then DMX just like unloaded the clip, like let it fall off the ground, and left. Like, oh, maybe this guy isn't such a total piece of shit. Yeah. Something's going on. Yeah. Another Even though him and Steven Seagal had a kick fight outside the office, instead of just having a, they could just talk to each other. They pause this. They kick fight, which okay, you first see each other, time to fight. They mention part of what's going on. Like, oh, there's something, blah, blah, blah. There's more to this than you know. And then that's the point where you tell him, but no, you kick fight again. Mm -hmm. And then afterwards, you both don't die during the kick fight. 
Oh, come on my house. Okay. And that's what happened. Then he shows him the whole operation. Yep. And that's what happens. Exit wounds. Exit wounds. But, <laughs> but, you're leaving out one point with DM, well, well, two points. Michael J. White and Steven Seagal fight with giant paper cutter uh, as swords. Yeah, that was like, awesome. Uh, fabric cutters. Yeah. As swords. Yep. And Michael J. White does a backflip with one of them in his hand. It's abs- out of control. Well, okay, imagine, it's going to be hard to try and describe this, but like, imagine you're just like holding a sword out, okay? Like, it's just like sticking straight out. And then a man next to you does a backflip. And then he flips in such a way where the end of the flip goes underneath your sword to bring your blade up. He doesn't come down on you. He corkscrews and flips to push the sword. Why? It's going a long way. It's yeah, cool, but it's, it's like... It, it would do no good. Because like he like jumped over him and then caught the sword on the way up. Why didn't you just try to hit his body? I, yeah, I or cut him in the head. Yeah. To block his sword you're jumping over. Yeah. I don't... I mean, it's fine. No idea. It happened. And, um... When Michael J. White dies, he falls off a helicopter ladder and gets impaled by a pipe on the top of a building. Yeah, that was gruesome. And then the other guy dies what, what, what by What was uh, his name? Munani? Munani? It was M and it was... Munani? <laughs> Jeez. No, the bad Multati? guy... The bad guy cop? Yeah, Multati? Mo- Montini. That was close. <laughs> okay, yeah, Montini. But that guy dies by uh like a some sort of puncture like thing sticking out from the wall. Yeah, as he goes fights. into his neck. Yeah. As he's fighting DMX. And DMX is throwing a shotgun up in the air. Okay, explain it. Yeah, you have to talk about that because it doesn't make any sense. <laughs> no. <laughs> it makes no sense. So even if you could make the trigger get pulled, it makes it doesn't make any so, sense. There, DMX is a shotgun that has like a strap around it. Makes sense. Okay. Makes sense. So yeah. it, it, if maybe he tied the strap to the trigger, which could, we didn't see him do. No, he didn't even loop it. He thought, no, he looped it through. He did. Uh, some, oh, he did loop it. So there was at least that. Made, again, makes sense. So he throws a shotgun up in the air and then pulls it down real quick with the strap and then it shoots it. He does it two times. Okay. Successfully. So, so like, even if let's say you throw the shotgun in the air, pull down quick and it fires. The recoil from the shotgun should send it flying across the room because there's nothing holding it. It just lands straight down his lap, so he can do it again. Yeah, it's like a, it's like a machine gun. It's like an auto shotgun. Yeah, but like this shouldn't function that way. Yeah, and I don't uh, want to be a buzzkill being Captain Reality over here, but like that was very silly. It was out of control. <laughs> it was very silly. I mean, there were a lot of out of control moments, but that might have been one of the most because it was so. Makes uh, me just want to go get my Ford card and try it out. One thing we forgot to mention, though. What did we forget to mention? And you said to save it for the end. I did. Is the end of this movie. Yeah. Yes. So, like, Steve, like... We mentioned... Like, uh, all the bad guys go down, get arrested, whatever. Steven Seagal goes back to uh, anger management, and it's like everyone, like, gives him a hug or whatever. But there's also a scene at the end where Anthony Anderson is being pulled out on a stretcher. Correct. And... During all this chaos, there are the police are coming and whatever, and it's also morning when this like it's like light out, which everything was happening at night. And I don't understand. They always like to do that because like it's a new day, you yeah. know, like it's the dawn has arisen. So all of a sudden, Tom Arnold runs in because because he heard the commotion on a stripper's uh, police scanner, which so, you know we already established his affinity toward the women. So 
because he hears this, he feels he should run down to this the situation. The, the cops stop him because he has no right to be here. <laughs> and then Steven Seagal says, "No, it's okay." And I'm like, "All right," because he because he's like, "Oh, uh, you know, he helped me." And he then, doesn't explain. It. He's just like, "Yeah, he's fine." Yeah. So like, he's All like, right. so they have like a moment. Him and Steven Seagal, and he's like, "Yeah, thanks for your help." And then Anthony Anderson's being rolled out on a stretcher because he got shot, and he's like. He's like, hey, you're uh, Wayne, what out? You're Henry Wayne from the TV. He's like, he's mentioned he likes the TV show earlier, so this is like a callback. Yeah, so he's it's like, a callback. So he's like, oh, he's like, you want to film my surgery? And then he's like, yeah, I'll, I'll, yeah, we'll do it. We'll film your surgery. We never knew how big, how much of a beautiful friendship this was about and to begin. And then they show like riffing back and forth a few times, and then all of a sudden, after the anger management scene, it cuts to like. Tom Arnold on his TV show, the Henry Wayne Detroit AM. Uh-huh. And he's like, I got a new co-host, and it's TK. Yeah. And then literally, this is the last ten minutes of the movie. That's all it is. Because you could, I mean, it's the credits as well. But, like, there's no other characters after this point, and this goes on for so long. Literally, like the whole probably mo- ten minutes. The whole movie existed for this talk show to happen. <laughs> this is how they got to meet. The movie should have been called Detroit AM. And that would have been amazing. Because, like, why is it called this? Then it ends with that scene. And that would have been... I because mean, it make as much as an exit wound. It's, and it, and it's literally ten minutes of Anthony Anderson and Tom Arnold riffing. Yeah, nothing. It's improv. Just, you know it was improv. Because there's a lot of cuts, too. So many cuts. And it's just them, like, riffing on each other, making fun of each other, saying stupid shit. Having fun. Getting each other to try and crack. I basically. mean, it was legitimately funny. It was Like, I funny. was laughing. It was real funny. But I was also laughing because I couldn't believe that was the end of this movie where we watched so many people get shot in the head and, like, die brutal deaths. They saved all the... There was a few comedic relief parts mixed in. Not a lot. They saved them all for the last ten minutes. This and is true. This is true. They're talking about fat girls. It's very... There's... It can't even comment on it because it's just too random. It was so much nonsense. It's real good. It is. We should I, just you should just like turn your recorder and record like that audio and then just make everybody listen to it. <laughs> For the last ten minutes of the podcast. Yeah, get throw it in there. Just saying. This is here we go. Yeah, it's we could easily. So next week on the podcast. Yeah, which we are going to if we can find if we can find it successfully. Would you like because it won't oh, I guess it doesn't matter. Because this was not the plan, and I'm so glad it changed. No. We were going to watch the movie Carpool, starring Tom Arnold. Because every single movie has to connect. But this does connect. How did this last one connect to the last one we watched? Which one, Nemesis? No, 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 no. The last one we... Oh, the like, last one we watched was Drive Angry, which had Nicolas Cage, who was in Ghost Rider, with Ava Mendez, who was in this. Perfect. Now continue. But that's... But that's the way we connected it. We were already going to watch it regardless because somebody no, suggested no, no, it. No, 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 no. It was a plan. It's a master plan. It was a suggestion that I found a connection to. Every movie we announce, we have planned out. All we, right, so how about the movie we just decided? Even though we just discovered during the podcast. So how about the one we had planned to discover live on the podcast? Oh, my God. It is because... I'm excited about because it, Because Steven Seagal is in a movie called Cyborg Nemesis Dark Planet or whatever... And that's the director of this movie, Nemesis, that we want to watch. Correct. And if we can find this movie successfully online, which I'm, I'm sure we will, we will watch... Our next you, movie will be 1992's Nemesis. Online, like Amazon or eBay. Amazon only sells uh, Region 2 Blu-rays and DVDs. There's no Region 1 DVDs of this. I already looked while we were discussing this shit. 
Region so two. I told you, I don't have a Region even, Two DVD. It's not player. even supposed to come out in America. These aren't American releases. That's are they even in English? But I think I found the full movie on YouTube. Is it even in English? We need I to find know. out. I don't know. We need to find out because that will make a difference. <laughs> but if we don't watch Nemesis, yes, we will be watching Carpool starring Tom Arnold. Oh God. <laughs> well, we were gonna watch Dead Ringers. That also looked fun too. Yeah, but that's between those two, Carpool is the best choice. Now I got Nemesis in the mix. We need some Nemesis in my life. Cause do you want do you want to tell anybody what that's about? We already said what it was about. What was it about? An an ex cyborg cop. I'm, I just wanted to hear it again. The next burned out cyborg cop. So yeah, next week will be 1992's Nemesis. I'm sure we will be able to find it on YouTube. And like I mentioned... Or some other... Did, did I mention this? I think I mentioned this off the air. I hope he's just a cop who happens to be a cyborg and it's barely a plot point. I'll be so happy. <laughs> I'll be so we, we will see. So next week, Nemesis 1992. Hopefully... We'll be able to see this. Yeah, be hopeful. Something to look forward to. Be able to see this masterpiece. Give you some cheer. It's the best of the worst. 